Hi there, you're listening to Unearthed, a podcast dedicated to demystifying climate change. I'm your host, Anna Sofia Guedes, and today we're going to be answering the question, what is climate change? Let me start off by saying that this podcast is for anyone, and I mean that. There's no reason why people shouldn't know about this crucial information about our planet, but approaching this subject can be scary, especially if you aren't well-versed in scientific language. That's why I made Unearthed, so that everyone can understand what's going on with our planet, why climate change is happening, and what we can do to slow the process. In this episode, we'll just be looking at the first part. So, what's going on with our planet? First, we have to understand the basic natural processes on this planet that keep you, me, and everyone else alive. One such process is the water cycle. You may already know about this one, but just in case, allow me to explain. The water cycle is the process in which water moves through our environment, and there are four steps. Collection, evaporation, condensation, and precipitation. Collection just means a collection of water, like a puddle or a lake that usually comes from rain. The next step is evaporation, when the water molecules of the collected water evaporate into the atmosphere due to the sun's heat. Condensation happens afterwards, when those same evaporated molecules condense, and it's how clouds are formed. Clouds will then rain, which is also known as precipitation, and the entire cycle begins again with the collection of that rain. Another cycle vital to our existence is the carbon cycle. The carbon cycle is made up of the following processes. Cellular respiration, consumption, decomposition, and fossilization. First, CO2, also known as carbon dioxide, in the atmosphere is absorbed by plants, who then breathe out oxygen. This is called cellular respiration, and animals do it too. However, the difference is that we inhale oxygen and exhale CO2. This means our cellular respiration benefits plants and vice versa. Carbon enters our environment through consumption as well. Think about the last time you ate. You just completed a part of the carbon cycle. By ingesting your food, you've consumed carbon, so whatever you excrete also has carbon. This is how carbon moves through the world through us. But guess what? We're carbon-based beings, meaning that when we die, we'll still be participating in the carbon cycle. We do this by decomposing, and anything carbon-based will eventually die and decompose, enriching the soil. Plants feed off the now carbon-rich soil and in turn are filled with carbon themselves, and the cycle continues on forever. Sometimes, though, decomposing organisms will fossilize, meaning they become fossils, and the carbon in them will ultimately remain underground. Normally, that carbon remains under the Earth's surface indefinitely, but when humans dig up these fossils and use them to create energy, we are putting old and extra carbon into our atmosphere. Through the use of fossil fuels, like oil and gas, the excess carbon goes directly into our environment. It should be noted that water and carbon are two resources on Earth that are finite, meaning there's a limited amount on the planet. This is why we should keep in mind our own effects on these cycles. As we continue to dissect climate change, an important distinction should be made between the two words weather and climate. Many times, Climate change deniers will use the weather as evidence that the planet isn't heating up, but they miss the big picture, and that's climate. Weather is something that changes day to day, and different parts of the planet experience different weather conditions. Climate, on the other hand, is the average weather in a particular area over a long period of time, and it's what should stay fairly consistent, meaning no major increases or decreases in temperature. Instead, what scientists have been seeing since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution is an insane increase in global climatic temperatures, influenced directly by human activity. Before I explain human activity, though, you must know about the greenhouse effect. 
you only take away one thing from this entire episode, I really want it to be the greenhouse effect. The greenhouse effect is a term that you've most likely heard of already, but maybe you're not quite sure what it means. Essentially, the greenhouse effect is a necessary function in our atmosphere that allows Earth to warm the places rotated away from the sun, which is nighttime in those areas. Without the greenhouse effect, those locations would freeze over completely, so it makes sense why this effect is so crucial to our existence. Now, how does this process work exactly? Well, when sunlight enters our atmosphere, it does one of two things. Either it reflects off of Earth's surface, or it becomes heat and stays on Earth, trapped by greenhouse gases, which are also known as GHGs. For reference, GHGs include, but are not limited to, carbon dioxide, nitrous oxide, methane, ozone, and water vapor. These gases hold the warmth radiated from the sun, and when night falls, Earth uses the heat trapped by GHGs to maintain the planet's average temperature of around 60 degrees Fahrenheit. What's incredibly significant about the greenhouse effect is that we need it to survive, but as a species, we're actively causing this function to work against our best interests. Because of pollution, land use, and other human activity, excess carbon and other GHGs are released into the atmosphere, causing more and more heat from the sun to be caught and used, which overheats the whole world. Humans are at fault, and I'll tell you why right now. Human activity is also called anthropogenic activity, and it's been proven time and time again by scientists to be the cause for the massive change in climate we're experiencing. If you remember from earlier, we're a part of the carbon cycle, but we also use carbon-based resources to power and illuminate our lives. The main issue with this energy source is that it's non-renewable, so every time we want to power something in our society, we have to dig underground for that precious carbon, and a good example of that is oil. Oil is simply made up of decomposed fossils, and the process of the fossils becoming oil can take millions of years. When we choose to reintroduce this million-year-old carbon into our atmosphere, it causes damage to our planet as the global temperature immediately rises, thanks to the greenhouse effect. Another way that we add excess carbon to our environment is by burning coal, another fossil fuel. So just to break it down further, when we burn fossil fuels for energy, we release extra GHGs into our atmosphere, which trap more heat from the sun and therefore the planet is overall warmer. Some other huge consequences that come from this non-renewable energy source are pollution, habitat loss, and the negative impact on human health. Because of how long we've used carbon-based resources to function, many people feel that there's no other way. Fossil fuels do have their benefit, to be fair. They can power large areas for consistent periods of time, big vehicles and aircrafts rely heavily on fossil fuels, and we wouldn't be as developed as a species without this technology. The downside, of course, is the suffering everyone else must endure as a result of this energy type. That's why scientists have been looking for a clean, renewable, affordable, and efficient way to replace fossil fuels, but this task is not easy. I'll explain further the debate going on in the scientific community about clean energy sources and also get into mitigation versus adaptation in a later episode. Just to review what you learned today, I'm going to give a quick outline of the content we covered in this episode. The water and carbon cycles were introduced, the difference between weather and climate was discussed, the greenhouse effect was explained, and finally, human activity in relation to climate change was briefly touched on. If you're still a little unclear about what you heard today, I'll be listing both my sources and some resources that you can access from most internet browsers at the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget, you have the capacity to understand climate change.
My sources for this episode include the National Centers for Environmental Information, specifically the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, Khan Academy's Biology slash Ecology Library, the Australian Government's Department of Agriculture, Water, and the Environment, and climate.gov. Some really good resources that you can use are the NASA Climate website, Climate Central, Climate Site, and the IPCC's website. I'll also be listing all these links in my description of this episode so you can access them there. Thanks again for listening to Unearthed.